Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We have your communion service today, so the title of this message is An Explanation of Communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. very often, but today in honor of reading the Lord's Word, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. Stand at your feet. Start reading in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You might want to underline or circle the word remembrance. 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often you, as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's the word to underline again, remembrance. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or are dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Thank you. Be seated. We're going to look first of all at why take communion, and then how to examine yourself, and then we'll try to apply it. Why take of the communion? The first reason is for the sight of it. I brought it up here today because I wanted you to be able to see it. We have here the cup of, it is to be the cup of wine. In our case, it's unfermented as yet. Depends on how long I preach. It's uh, unfermented wine to represent the blood of Jesus. And we have one loaf of unleavened bread to represent the body of Jesus. This service has within it contained the sight of it. When you see of the one loaf, I some years ago learned that we should not take communion with small bits of wafer in many pieces. And the biblical reason is because our body is not to be broken into many pieces. We're not to be a divided body. We're to be a unified body. And so it's very important, I think, now, a 
didn't used to know this or believe this, but I now take this. It's very important that we use one whole loaf when we come to take communion because we are to be unified. We are to be put together as such. And, and that one loaf represents that. But I want you to look at these. I want you to see them. Because these are to be visible sights. They are to be something that uh, today in the service we learn not only in the hearing of the word, but we learn in the seeing of this bread and this cup. In the book of Exodus, when God told Moses that he was going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 8. Then it will be if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter side. He was telling Moses that I'm going to give them many plagues and many things to see, but if they don't believe the first, maybe they would believe the last. And there is this seeing experiential thing that happens in communion, in the service of communion, where we have symbols that represent Jesus, bread and the cup, these symbols that our eyes can see. And so it sets the word of God, if you will, in truth before our very eyes. And before our eyes with the bread, we are to see the broken body of Jesus. And before our eyes with the cup, we are to see the blood of Jesus. God is pleased in his word to give you these two things. To help you to see. To help you to have faith. And to help you to believe. By these Sacraments, the blood and the cup. God has shown us his death and his blood. And in, in this way, earthly things, earthly bread and an earthly cup, are transformed into heavenly visions as you see the heavenly body of Jesus and the heavenly blood of Jesus. And so we take communion for the side of it. The second reason is for the remembrance of it. We have before us the remembering of Jesus' death on the cross. We see this in verse 24 and 25. I had you underline the word remembrance. It's found there two times. Let's read verse 24 and 25 again. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we eat the bread, the remembering part is, if you see verse 24, the brokenness of his body. Remember it. So when you come up at the end of the service and you break off a piece of bread from this one loaf, it is an imagery of the brokenness of the body of Jesus. In a moment at the end of the service, when you bite down on that bread and you chew it, and that bread is broken even smaller inside your mouth, it is a picture of the brokenness of the body of Jesus. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup of the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And in the, in the cup, we are remembering Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross for us. He says in verse 25 that it is a cup of the new covenant. The covenant in which you become a part. You're not Israeli. You're not Jewish. But you become a part of this new covenant. 
through Jesus' blood. He brings you in. Have you often looked at the Jews and thought, wow, I wish I was one of the chosen people of God, one of the special chosen ones of God? In the new covenant, you are. In Jesus' blood, you are. You come into this relationship with Almighty God that happens based on the blood of Jesus being shed for you. Based on what he did for you on the cross through his blood, you become his child. You become saved. And you become a citizen of the eternal kingdom of heaven. And when you drink this cup, you are to remember that. You're to remember God's love for you, God's grace for you, God's favor for you in all that his blood does for you when it is shed for you. So we take communion for the remembrance of it. The third reason we take communion is for the communion with God. The word communion means to exchange intimate thoughts and worship. Is to have an intimate relationship with God. In other words, in this service, you are to commune with God. In the communion service, you are to have an, an exchange with God whereby you give him intimate thoughts of worship and he returns to you intimate thoughts of love. Our spiritual life is enhanced. You could say it this way. Our spiritual life is strengthened by the sight of and remembrance of the bread, the body, the blood, the cup, that causes us to worship God and speak about the Lord in our own heart, how precious Jesus is to me. Just like eating bread and drinking something in this human body makes you stronger, eating this bread and drinking this cup strengthens your spiritual life because you are communing with God and having a discourse with God today about the glory of his son Jesus. In that sense, in this worship, this bread last night was ordinary bread. This cup last night was an ordinary cup, but no longer. Because today it is set aside for the things of God. That's what the word sanctified means in the Bible. It has been set aside, set apart for the worship of God, and thereby it has become holy. And thereby, when you participate with these elements of the Lord's Supper, you become holy. And in your mind, you must establish and fix your mind. That's why we today maybe need to pray more than ever, Lord, take captive the thoughts of my mind to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Because in today's service, your goal, your aim, your motive is through eating this bread and drinking this cup to give glory to God, and in so doing, you experience a communion with God like no other. That's why I take communion. The second part is, why must you examine yourself? We saw this spoken in verse 27 through 32. Look at verse 28. But let a man examine himself. You might want to underline that. Examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is so important, I cannot underestimate the value of what I'm about to teach you. Let me say it a different way. I cannot overestimate the value of what you're about to learn. Examine himself. 
I have to admit to you as a pastor that there have been occasions when I would not have a service of communion in our church. And my reason was, maybe I'm wrong in this, Ronnie, maybe we can talk about this later. I don't know if any of you have ever talked about it. But my reason was out of fear that someone here would participate who should not. It is that serious. And so why must you examine yourself? First of all, because there is a sin. You see this in verse 27. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, underline the words unworthy manner, in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Then look at verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, there it is again, underline it, in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. And so it speaks here of this, first of all, that there is a sin, an unworthy manner, but secondly, there is a judgment. A judgment, he says in verse 29, to himself. He eats and drinks a judgment to himself. In other words, there are those that could break off the bread and eat it and take of the cup and drink it. And by so doing, they are committing a sin and bringing the judgment of God upon them. Look back at verse 27. They are guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Not recognizing the holy nature of Jesus' body and his blood that was shed is sinful and brings judgment to us. Look again at verse 29 in the words, not discerning the Lord's body. Not recognizing the holy nature of the Lord's body. The judgment is this. What God has given us to be a sign, a sign and a remembrance and a communion, when you eat it without examining yourself, you, you have the chance of turning it into a mockery. And when you do that, you're not eating and drinking in worship of God, but you're eating and drinking in a way that brings judgment from God. What God has meant to be a blessing, to be a sign and a confirmation of his love that you have now been changed through the brokenness of his body and the shedding of his blood, what God meant to be a blessing, if you eat it wrongly, this is where your own is responsible for what happens in today's service. If you eat it wrongly, what God meant to be a blessing turns into a judgment. And you will receive his anger and his indignation for your lack of discernment, verse 29 says. And you will trample the Lord's body and the Lord's blood, verse 27 says. And he will find you guilty and he will judge you accordingly. So it is a judgment. The third thing why examine yourself, because there is a danger, the danger of it. By counting these things as ordinary and treating them as common bread and common juice, I'll say, you come under God's judgment and anger 
and you will be chastened of the Lord. Look at verse 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. Circle the word chastened. When you count these things as ordinary, God will chastise you. We use the word chastisement or chasten usually in context of parenting. It means to correct. It means to correct in a way that by word or deed that changes our child's character. To chastise in the Old Testament means to, to strike with blows. The father disciplines his son. It's what we call spanking. To correct and instruct children means to discipline them. It's chastisement. I won't go long into this, but there's two words in the Bible for this kind of behavior. One is the word chastisement, and one is the word punishment. Pay attention to those when you read them in the Bible. Chastisement always has to do with a son or somebody who's your family, and it is not for the purpose of destroying them. It is for the purpose of correcting them. Punishment, on the other hand, has to do with those who are not of your family, and it is for the purpose of destruction. So pay attention to the difference between the two. We try never to say to our children, we're punishing you. Because punishment in the Bible means to put away from you. It's what those people will have who are separated from God for all eternity. They will be punished under the wrath of God, separated from God. But the word chastisement in the Bible has to do with those who are a part of the family and the discipline of the family. And God always does that for correction purposes, not to push you away from him, but rather to bring you closer to him because you are never closer to God than when he helps you to be obedient to himself. Here he says, there's a danger if you do not examine yourself that you'll come under the chastisement of God. The danger of judgment. Look at verse 30. Here's what it is. For this reason, let's go back to verse 29. Whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. The, the correct translation will be dead. And you're dead. Weak, sick, and dead. We'll start with weak and sick. Many are weak and sick among you. Why? Because they participated in a worship service, made a mockery of it, and God judged them and made them weak and made them sick. That's the danger of it. You say, do you believe that? Yes. It's in the Bible. <laughs> When's the last time you went to a doctor and was checking you over for your ailment? And he goes, let me ask you a question. Last Sunday, did you have communion? <laughs> it would be a, maybe a, an appropriate question let me ask it in a different way what sicknesses may be taken away from us if we participated in communion correctly or what weaknesses may be taken away from us if we valued communion rightly I mean, let's talk about weaknesses that could be, I think it could be things like arthritis or, or soreness in a, in a joint or a place. I mean, I don't know about you, but the older I get, I've always got an ailment somewhere. <laughs> are, are my only one? I, I'm always praying for one or two or three ailments. My match right now is three, praise God. But three at the most at one time for God to heal or to work. And God is faithful. He, sometimes it takes a while, but he's healing me constantly now. 
I wonder how many of those weaknesses or how many of those sicknesses could be removed simply by this. Having communion service and rightly esteeming Jesus, the Lord of glory. Rightly lifting up in your heart Jesus, whose body was broken and blood was shed for you. Wouldn't that be amazing? And it says many are dead. We believe he was taken and he was killed on the cross. And if you don't value his death, he says you could die for it. Do you believe that? I believe this. I've never been to a funeral yet, maybe one day, where they were all standing around the casket and said, you know, last Sunday we had communion. We knew he wasn't right. He was living in open sin, and here he is this Sunday. Gone. It is dangerous if you don't examine yourself. Let's look at application. Number one, if that's what it is to eat in an unworthy manner, and it's dangerous and a judgment of God and a sin, then what does it mean to eat in a worthy manner? What would be the right way to participate in the conclusion of this service? Because I don't know about you, but I want to know. The first point is, it starts with your knowing how unworthy you are and how worthy he is. In other words, for you to be worthy in communion, you don't have to perform some act or deeds or works whereby you can earn the merit and become worthy. We all know, hopefully, here in this church that that is not possible. You are not saved by your works or how good you were this week. So don't begin this right now and think back this week and say, well, I gave somebody some money and I helped them out of the ditch or I did this. Don't even begin to think like that. You, you begin by thinking like this. I'm unworthy. I know I'm unworthy. If, if that's the way you were feeling up to this point in this service, you're doing all right. You're, you're on the right track, okay? You're unworthy. You need Jesus. He is worthy. And so the eat in a worthy manner starts with recognizing your lack of worth and his extreme glory and value and worth for dying on the cross. It is to see yourself in the truest light of the image of Jesus Christ. And that says that you are not good enough, and he is good enough, and he is your Savior. It's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You've heard me preach very much on the doctrine of regeneration. That's the verse where it comes from. It's making a comparison between God as the creator of the heavens and the earth and the creator of salvation in your heart. It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. One time in the beginning of the world, he said, let there be light. And the Bible says there was light. And he created the sun and the moon and the stars, and he turned on the lights on the earth. In the same way, it says, he has shown into your heart the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. One day, God Almighty approached you and said, let there be light in John's heart. And when he did that, he showed me the glory of Jesus. 
What Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus did in his body being broken and his blood being shed, and in so seeing Jesus, you then saw the glory of God, that God would be willing to save even me. It starts with knowing you're unworthy and he's worthy. But let me give you some more particulars. First of all, you must be saved. If you're going to participate in a few minutes with this service, you must be saved. If you're not saved, we ask you not to participate. Little children and young ones who are not saved are not to participate. But nor are adults who are not saved. Why? Because those who do not know God as their Savior and their Lord cannot take this bread and this cup and worship Him rightly. And so if you're not saved, we would ask you not to participate in just a few minutes. However, you could be saved right now. If you would call upon the name of God and ask Him to save you. How would you know it's time for you to do that? Well, you would know it by this. God's been working on your heart for some time. He's been drawing you to himself. He's been causing you to know this. I need to be saved. He's been causing you to know that you need a change in your life. You need a transformation in your life. And if you have experienced that, that is the work of God on your life. And then he says that if you'll call upon his name, ask him to forgive you, ask him to be your Lord, ask him to save you, he'll save you. You must be saved. Another particular is examine yourself. Verse 28. Let a man examine himself and then let him eat the bread and drink the cup. I would ask you at the conclusion of this service when we pray and when we sing, every person here to examine your own heart. Ask God to turn the light on in, in, inside of you. Show you where pride is, where repeated sin is, where you're slack in coming to church or preparing for church or reading his word or praying. Examine yourself. The next one is judge yourself, verse 31. It says, for he who would, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. The word judge means to declare something, right or wrong. The Bible says here, you have a choice. You judge yourself or God will judge you. You declare your sin is sin or God will. You declare what's wrong is wrong or God will. You declare your need to return to God or he will. You, you declare your weakness in worship, or he will. You can go on and on. Look at yourself and examine yourself and then judge yourself. Declare, I should not be like that. I should not be doing that. I should not be living like that. I need God's help here. It doesn't say fix yourself. It says judge yourself. There's a difference. Judge yourself. And then the fourth one I want to take from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'd turn with me back there, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 5, we'll start reading in verse 6. To remove the leaven or the sin from your life. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. He says, your glory is not good. Do, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And look at verse 8 in particular, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I sincerely and truthfully want, you know, leaven in the Bible represents sin. I want sin out of my life. I sincerely do. That's the truth. I want sin out of my life. Keep this feast not with leaven, not with sin, wickedness, but without leaven. Look at verse 7. Purge out the old lump that you may be a new lump since truly you are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Let me give you the, the visual imagery again. This piece of bread is unleavened. It represents the body of Christ. It represents the body called the church. All of us. It represents all of us. He says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a pinch of it would, would fill the whole lump, but it wouldn't look the same. It would have risen. It would look totally different. It would taste different. It would be different. The same is true of the body of the church. One of you. One here. One here who will not do what is being asked to be done in this service will leaven the whole lump. Doesn't that bring great responsibility on us all? It will leaven our whole lump, the whole body, this whole church. Hindered. Weakened. Sickened. Because one, I think if we should know which one that was, we'd feed upon him, wouldn't we? <laughs> but we wouldn't because we'd be afraid it would be me or yourself. One bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. One person who will not do what's asked to be done in this service damages the service and risks the judgment on us all. And so he says, remove the leaven, verse 7. Purge out the old leaven, that is, get it all out. C cleanse the house. In the Jewish ceremony of the Passover, it, it, they would spend the whole day cleaning the house, looking for little bits of leaven in the floor, in the cracks and crevices. They would sweep once and twice and three times over. They would get up the next morning and sweep again, making sure there's no leaven anywhere in the house. Get it all out. We don't want to break this part. We don't want any sin to be left. And then I remind you that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? When we think about this church, you know, we came here, it was a sweepstakes. And I don't know if you remember, this was our third one. It stunk, it was filthy, and you really had to 
have some faith to see church happening here. The walls were stained from smoke damage. Smoking. We had to paint more than one coat to get the, the smoke off the walls. Not to mention the smell. We left fans and, and air purifiers going 24 hours a day to get the stench of the filth out of here. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that. So dirty, so smelly. And this is again where we you see the value of what we're doing today. Jesus and his body and his blood. And in preparation for that, we must remove the leaven. This, our body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not ours. So based on the work that Jesus did on the cross with his body and shedding his blood, we ask God to cleanse us and forgive us and take away our sin. Second point of application. During the service, in our referring here to in just a few minutes when we eat the bread and drink the cup. See and remember the body and the blood of Jesus. When you break this bread, you pinch off your piece. See and remember the broken body of Jesus, his beating on the cross. Visualize it on your, in your mind. His beating on the cross, the whips on his back. When you chew the bread, see and remember the body of Jesus broken on the cross. In every bite, don't swallow it whole. Chew it up. In every bite, worship God for his body being broken for you. And when you drink the cup, see and remember the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Put your faith in Jesus' blood washing you from the inside out. Nobody should leave here feeling dirty today. You must leave here by faith feeling cleansed and close to God. See and remember and thank God for the washing of his blood that cleanses you as white as snow, takes away your sin as far as the east is from the west. See and remember and think of those things when you drink the cup. Also, there will be lots of thanksgiving. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being broken for me. Thank you for dying in my place as you eat the bread. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cleansing of the blood. Thank you. Notice that thanksgiving is what comes after faith, right? You believe it, then you thank God for it. And so I'm not asking you to, to participate in this service as a beggar, begging God for it. You ask him for it, but then you, you, you experience it by faith, and then you thank him for it. Thank you for the blood being shed. And then the, the last part during the service is it is worship. As you take of the bread and the cup, you, you declare in your own heart how great Jesus is. How mighty it is that he died on the cross. How wonderful it is that he shed his blood. You worship him. You worship him. He gets all the glory. He gets all the worship. <coughs> and in so doing, we have communion with God. That is, we have intimate fellowship 
with the living God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and sing one song while we do. I want you to examine yourself, judge yourself, and cleanse yourself. And then we're going to have the bread and the cup. And then we're going to sing another song, and I want you to worship. Would you stand with us? Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for today and for this service. We pray that you would get all the glory. Prepare our hearts now. We examine ourselves. We judge ourselves. And we ask you to cleanse us of all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray.